Doctor Who, Sick Building, by Paul Mars, read by Will Thorpe. She was running through the winter woods because death was at her heels. There were rumours on the air, mutterings and whisperings in the woods. Danger approaching. Something bad. She could smell it herself, though she could make no sense of it. The air reeked of danger, and so she had stopped hunting and fled for home. Now she was cut, bleeding and starving. Fallen branches cracked and splintered beneath her powerful limbs as she ran, she pounded through the undergrowth, sending up flurries of snow behind her. She was a survivor. She had to get back. She had left her home for too long. It was vulnerable. To the elements, to outside attack. To the thing that was coming for them all. Her cubs were there. She hoped they were still there. She allowed herself to think of them briefly. Three, hungry as she was, calling out for her in the musky gloom of their den. The thought made her redouble her efforts, even though her muscles and sinews were cracking almost at breaking point. It was the deepest part of winter. The air itself seemed stiff with ice. With each passing moment she could hear, even louder, the whispers and the hints that danger, and even more than danger, certain death was on its way. But she couldn't abandon her den. Her children were too young. If she tried to move them now, they would all surely die. She was almost home when the frigid air was shattered by a loud and distressingly alien noise. She flung down her powerful forepaws and thundered to a halt. Was this it? Had it found her already? As the noise increased in pitch and intensity and a solid blue shape began to materialise in the glade, the cat threw back her massive head and roared. Her savage jade eyes narrowed at the sight of the unknown object as it solidified before her. Soon the noise died away, but there was a strange smell, alien, and there were creatures within that blue box. She could almost taste their warmth and blood, and she remembered that she was starving. Martha Jones stood back as the doctor whirled around the central control console of the TARDIS. She knew that when his behaviour was as frenetic as it was now, the best thing was to stand back and wait until he calmed down. The doctor's activity seemed to be coming to an end as the glowing central column on the console slid to a halt. The doctor picked up a handy toffee hammer and gave the panel closest to him a hefty wallop, as if for luck. Martha frowned and then smiled at this. Sometimes it seemed to her the doctor operated more by luck than logic, yet still he seemed to get away with it. There was something irresistible about his enthusiasm and general haphazardness that just made her grin. Have we got there in time? she asked him. He whirled around now and caught her laughing at him. Yes, just in time, I think. He stopped. In time for what? I don't know, she said. You might have something about saving somebody or something and getting there in time. Some awful kind of danger. That's it, he cried. I didn't realise I told you so much about it already. Hardly anything she protested. What kind of danger? The voracious craw, he said very solemnly. I see, she said. Oh, they're a terrible lot. 
Each one is the size of a vast spaceship. They just go sailing about with their mouths hanging open, devouring things. They look just like, I don't know, gigantic inflated tapeworms or something. Only much worse. A picture of a pale green frozen world appeared on the scanner screen. Tierman's World, named after its only settlers. And this voracious thing is headed towards it. The doctor stabbed a long finger at a grey blob that Martha had taken to be a featureless landmass. There it is, circling the world, chomping its way through continents. But it's huge, she cried, and, according to the instruments, it's heading towards the only human settlement on that whole planet. They've got about thirty-six hours. He flashed her a grin. What do you reckon to whizzing down there and tipping them off, eh? They might not even know they're about to be gobbled up by a massive, flying, tapeworm, nasty space thingy. His hands were scurrying over the controls again before she could even reply. The warping boahaha of the ship's engines drowned out any thoughts she might have aired at this point. Instead, Martha peered at what she could see on the screen of the voracious craw and imagined what it would look like from down on the surface, what it would be like to gaze up into the mouth of a creature that could eat whole worlds. She was jerked out of her reverie by the doctor tapping her briskly on her shoulder. Come on, we got vital stuff to do, you know, people to warn, lives to save. He walked out of the TARDIS onto the frozen grass of the glade. Ah, he said. Martha stepped past him. What is it? He nodded at the bulky form of the female saber-toothed tiger before them. She was ready to spring. Her low-throated growl made the very air tremble. Her glittering green eyes pinned the time-travellers to the spot, and Martha knew suddenly they were both going to die. They were rescued by the blundering arrival of a young human male. He was loaded down with bagfuls of sophisticated camera equipment and was so preoccupied with checking the display on one of these devices that he'd wandered straight into the space between the Doctor and Martha and the beast that was about to spring at them. Martha found herself darting forward and grabbing the boy. The Doctor stood and stared earnestly into the tiger's eyes, speaking in a very low, persuasive voice. Don't come any closer, he warned Martha. She's calm, but anything could break her mood. We're just having a little chat. Martha and the boy exchanged a mute glance, so he could talk to animals now, could he? Sit your children, the doctor was saying. Do your best to get them to safety. You don't need to harm us. Look after yourself. Hurry. There isn't much time. The beast growled low in her throat, and it was almost a purr. Go now, the doctor told her. We must all use the time wisely. The great cat turned on her heel and padded towards the tree once more. The doctor turned to his companions with a colossal, Phew! Blimey! of relief. It was a saber-toothed tiger, Martha gasped. On an alien planet? The doctor gave a carefree shrug. They crop up everywhere. He fixed the teenage boy with a sharp stare. And you are... Before the boy could reply, the doctor shouted at him. You could have been killed bursting in like that. Can you watch where you were going? The boy was trembling with delayed shock, Martha could see. He brushed his long black hair out of his eyes and faced up to the doctor's angry scrutiny. I didn't see it. We, we, we don't come out here much. I, I'm not used to it out here. Suddenly he looked much younger and very, very scared. Martha judged that he couldn't have been much more than fifteen. 
The doctor's voice dropped and became kinder. What's your name, and who are you? Solin, sir. Doctor, and this is my friend, Martha. We're here to help you. Help me? The doctor nodded firmly. You, your people, the human settlement here. My family, the boy said. We're the only people here, under the dome, in Dreamhome. There are only three of us. Three? The doctor smiled. Well, that should make things a bit easier. Solin's face was creased with puzzlement. But I don't understand. Why would we need your help? Because something really, really bad is on its way, said the doctor. We already know that something bad is coming, muttered the boy. He looked sullen. What's all this stuff? Martha was picking up pieces of futuristic equipment that had flown out of Solin's knapsack. He took them from her, sighing at the damage. I was taking pictures. That's why I'm out here, in the forest. Normally I wouldn't, but I thought, this is the last time. My last chance. Why was it your last chance? asked the doctor. Because my father says that we have to leave this world. We have to get aboard the ship that brought us here and go somewhere else. It took them some time to get through the woods onto the track that Solin assured them would lead to Dreamhome. You settle us from Earth? the doctor asked as they walked. A scientific expedition? Solin shook his head. My father was a scientist once, but he retired here. He bought this world many years ago. Bought? the doctor said. They must be rolling in it, your dad. He was an inventor, back on Earth. He made a lot of money in the servo furnishing industry. The what? Martha asked, but the doctor shushed her. Ahead of them, in the frozen gloaming, the forest simply stopped. A shimmering foreshield blocked their way, and beyond it lay fresh spring grass starred with daisies. A perfect lawn stretched several hundred yards ahead of them, running up to a series of verdant box hedges, which fitted neatly around a mansion house. Wow, Martha sighed. That's your dream home, is it? Solin looked relieved to be within sight of the building. That's right. The teenager approached what appeared to be an old-fashioned red pillar box in the middle of the forest clearing. He swung open a panel on the front and jabbed at the buttons inside. Immediately, a gap opened up in the transparent shield. Quickly, Solin told them. The door only opens for twenty seconds at a time, and the shields have been a bit unreliable the past couple of days. Martha was bowled over by what she discovered on the other side of the doorway. As soon as she passed through the shimmering shield, she found that the temperature was suddenly like a balmy midsummer evening. She stamped the clodded snow off her boots and sighed deeply. I think I'm going to like dream home, Solin, she said. The doctor stepped up behind her. I wouldn't get too used to it, he murmured in her ear. Remember the voracious crawls on its way. But this place is shielded, Martha said. Surely the crawl thing can't gobble its way through, can it? Oh, yes, nodded the doctor, and that's why we're here, to make sure they are sufficiently alarmed. As if on cue, a vile wailing noise erupted from the pillar box on the other side of the gap in the foreshield. Martha and the doctor covered their ears and whirled about to see Solin panicking at the controls. What is it? The doctor dashed over, brandishing his sonic screwdriver. It's broken, Solin wailed above the ghastly fracker. Somehow I've gone and broken the shields. Great holes are opening up all over the dream home. The doctor angled in to have a go with his sonic. Never mind, I bet it's the craw affecting the circuitry. It sets up this great wave of interference before it strikes. Let me see, I'll just have a... Uh... No, doctor, you don't understand, Solin cried. The defences are down. They've never malfunctioned like this before. Dream home is vulnerable to outside attack now.
This was precisely the kind of thing the doctor loved. Let me have a go, he said. I'm sure I can get it working again. We aren't supposed to tamper with the workings of Dream Home, Solin said. We are supposed to leave it all to the servo furnishings. The doctor was about to ask him what he was going on about when Martha said, And these servo furnishings, would they happen to be the things heading across the lawn towards us? Oh, said the doctor, taken aback. Wow, they look just like... Martha said, They look just like a lawnmower and a water cooler. Why are they speeding towards us like that? Do you know she's right? Laughed the doctor delightedly. That's brilliant. I love them. Proper robots. Proper futuristic robots. The doctor examined the servo furnishings as they busied themselves at the pillar box controls. Tell me, Solin, is everything in your house a robot? Nearly everything, Solin said. That's what my father made his fortune from. A booming voice came calling across the lawn and made Solin flinch. What is going on and who are these people? The large windows of the wing of Dream Home closest to them had shot up, and a very tall and dignified figure was stepping out into the evening air. He had a mane of silvery hair and a neatly trimmed beard. He wore silver-purple robes and a deep purple cloak, which billowed out around him as he strode crossly towards the newcomers. What have you done? You have endangered us all! Good, um, evening, called the doctor. I think everything's under control now. I'm the doctor, and this is Martha, and this is Solin, and... I know who Solin is, said the tall figure coldly. He's my son. I am Professor Ernest Tierman. I own this world. You own the world, eh? grinned the doctor. That's impressive. Imagine, Martha, but the heating bills are outrageous. And, by the way, did you know that the whole place is in the most horrible danger? Ernest Tierman gazed down at the doctor with cool grey eyes. What concern is that of yours, doctor? I'm here to help, smiled the doctor. I came here because we detected humans, but there's all sorts of life forms here. We need to think about rescuing as many as we can, really. Before the what's-it arrives, the end of everything. Tierman was watching the servo furnishings finish up repairing the force shield. With an almighty crackle of energy, the shield came down once more, sealing them all inside the dome, which shimmered over the dream home. You'd better come into the house, Tierman snapped. Solin, you will be punished for your misadventures. Come along, all of you. Not much fun, your dad, Martha whispered as they hurried across the lawn. He's got a lot on his mind, Solin told her, and you know, leaving this place is going to break his heart. As they were given their first glimpse of the interior of Dream Home, Martha was beginning to understand why it would be such a difficult place to leave. It was the most luxurious and impressive home she had ever seen. All of it was immaculate, too. Martha and the Doctor were aware of servo furnishings of all sizes and functions hovering around them, dusting, polishing and tidying. In the drawing room where Tiam and Kirtley bid them sit and make themselves comfortable, there was even a teak drinks cabinet that set about pouring them a sweet sherry each. Tierman addressed his son, who had been standing uneasily to one side. Solin, go and tell your mother that we have the most delightful, unexpected company. Solin nodded and hurried off. The drinks cabinet swung round to offer Tierman his own drink. Tierman took it absent-mindedly, with the air of one quite used to being waited on hand and foot by robotic servants. He was grinning at his guests now but his expression still wasn't a very friendly one. We are grateful that you would come here to give us warning of the advancing danger. Doctor, Martha, he said graciously. All in the day's work, said the doctor. I'll be interested to hear what your plans are. You've been here a long time. 
The world beyond this one has changed quite a lot, I imagine. Tierman grimaced. There should still be a place in it for Ernest Tierman, Doctor. I was famed, you know, right across this sector, for my inventions, my toys. Rather valuable toys, noted the Doctor. Robotic servants like these? They can be made to do anything. You could raise a whole army of them. They could be worth a lot to some people. Tierman pulled a face. Mere toys. They could never hurt anyone, Doctor. That's not what servo furnishings are for. Look at Walter here, the drinks cabinet. His sole function is to supply us with our favourite tipple at the appropriate moment. And I am very happy in my work, said Walter in a rather fruity mechanical voice. He was right behind Martha at the time, and she jumped. The doctor laughed. And they'll all be going with you when you leave, I imagine? He smiled at Walter and then at Tierman. I imagine it'd be hard to leave your servants behind, eh? I mean, after all this time, you must have got quite fond of them, eh? Tierman's face had gone dark. They are simply machines, Doctor. It is pure foolishness to get attached to them. My wife has fond, foolish ideas about the servo furnishings, and so does my son. But they are nothing, really. Mechanical toys, that's all. Hmm, said the Doctor. That seems a bit cold-hearted to me. He reached over to pat the wooden head of the drinks cabinet. There, there, Walter, I'm sure he didn't mean it. But Walter turned and plodded away to his place by the wall, the bottles stowed in his interior clinking dully as he went. I'll never understand that ridiculous sentimental impulse, Tierman sighed, to suppose that everything has feelings. Ha! <laughs> Only we have feelings, Doctor. Only us, the human race. Don't be so sure of that, Professor Tierman. That's a very narrow, heartless philosophy. Tierman shrugged. We could debate that point for a long time, Doctor, but we have only a few hours, a little more than a day, before we have to leave. Philosophy must be put aside. And compassion? I leave such tender feelings to my wife and my son, Tierman said. Tierman's wife was called Amanda, and the first impression that the Doctor and Martha had of her was that she was very beautiful, but very quiet. Small wonder, the doctor whispered, the way her old man keeps rabbiting on. Tierman was bragging about the ship that had brought them to this world and that would bear them safely away. I designed it myself, and its design has never been surpassed. Here we are, a few parsecs from Station Antelope slash Nightlight, and that is where we will make our way to. They'll be very glad to see us, and our miraculous craft, I am sure. I'm just not convinced that you've made adequate plans for your escape, you know, said the doctor airily. Oh, really, Doctor? purred Tierman. Leaving it to the last minute, and from what I've seen, you lot haven't done any packing yet or anything. I know some words, when they've had wind of the craw on the way, they've upped and fled with weeks to spare. Tierman shrugged. I don't like unnecessary panic, and there is no need for panic, Doctor. He was growing agitated. It was this kind of niggling that I became a recluse to avoid. I got out of the rat race in order to prevent contact with... People like me, grinned the Doctor. People who get worked up, who never sit long enough in one place to really think about things, about their place in this world. You're a cool customer, Tierman, said the doctor. I'll give you that. Even though they had protested that they weren't really going to be here for long, Tierman had insisted on the doctor and Martha staying the night. But the doctor was refusing to go to bed. He wasn't, he said, in the least bit sleepy. He waited until everyone had retired and the house was quite still. Then he turned and pelted out of the luxurious sitting room. He took great big lungfuls of the night air on the veranda outside. He knew this fresh air was fake, though, 
It was recycled and conditioned under the shimmering dome. The dome. That's what he was out here for, wasn't it? The doctor fished his sonic screwdriver out of his pocket and set his jaw determinedly. Then he hopped over the stone balustrade and out onto the dark lawn. Then he was belting hell for leather across the grass. He skidded smoothly to a halt at the very edge of the lawn. He was back at the foreshield, and its harsh buzzing filled his ears. Beyond the shimmering transparency of the shield, he could see the forest. It looked sugar-frosted and beautiful in the moonlight. He knew, though, that it was home to a million terrible dangers. But, and here the doctor swallowed these thoughts down bravely, he had to gird his loins and get back out there into the wintry wilderness. In his keenness to help out the human settlers of Tiemann's world, he had left the TARDIS out there, vulnerable and alone. Her powers were astonishing, but even she couldn't survive the approach of the voracious craw. He hurried over to the pillar box which housed the Force Shield's controls. Sonic at the ready, he could work out how it operated, easy as. Ah, then it struck him. The pillar box was on the other side of the shield. He smacked his palm to his forehead, stupid doctor. But there must be another one. There had to be, didn't there? He leapt into the shrubbery at the edge of the lawn and started thrashing through the thick undergrowth. And he found it, hidden behind the overgrown branches and thick grass, another pillar box. It was as if it wasn't meant to be found, as if no one living in the dream home had any business venturing out into the wicked woods. We'll see about that, thought the doctor grimly. He flung open the control panel, set his sonic to full power, and started messing about with the intricate innards of the box. A shower of sparks shot out, and he laughed jubilantly. He nodded with satisfaction as a door-shaped aperture started to appear in the gauzy shields before him. Doctor, stop! His head whipped around. What? And he cursed with frustration. Doctor, tampering with the foreshield is expressly forbidden. Stop and desist. A bulky robot was hurtling across the lawn towards the doctor, putting on a surprising turn of speed. Lights were popping on all over the dream home as alarms went off and family members woke alerted by the noise. He was led in disgrace back to the Tierman homestead. In the drawing room, the doctor was confronted by the whole family plus Martha. All were in dressing gowns and wore a range of expressions from outright fury to dismay and disappointment. We trusted you, doctor, Tierman thundered. He was wearing a very glitzy golden dressing gown. We took you into our home and made you our guest. And you repay us like this? By sabotaging our defensive force shields? Rubbish! The doctor protested. I was just trying to get out so I could get to my ship. I wasn't trying to damage your shields. Sir, a robot piped up. Sensors indicate widespread damage and fluctuating effectiveness of the shields across 84% of the dome. What? cried Tierman. We are almost defenseless. The doctor broke in. The fluctuations and the damage are caused by the approach of the voracious craw. Electronics often go haywire as the craw comes nearer. It's a well-recorded fact. That's what's happening here. They all stared at him. Funny, Tierman said in a quieter, infinitely more threatening voice, how all of this disaster arrives alongside you, doctor. Hilarious, isn't it? said the doctor grimly. Take him. Tierman instructed, making a lofty gesture. A ramshackle collection of robots surrounded the Doctor. We need to put him out of the way, until it is time for us to leave. The Doctor has proved himself to be a meddler, and we cannot allow him to interfere with our escape. But he wouldn't, Martha cried out. Shush, Martha, Solin said, stepping up to gently take her arm. Put him down into the cellars deep under Dream Home, Tierman said. 
Arthur could have sworn she saw the robots shiver at these words. But could robots really shiver with fear? The very bottom, Tierman added as the robots started dragging the doctor towards the elevator doors. Level minus thirty-nine. Martha felt Solin jerk in surprise at this. What's level minus thirty-nine? she asked. None of us go there, Solin said. It's where we put old stuff. Useless stuff. Stuff we'll never need again. Oh, great, cried the doctor as the elevator pinged and the doors whooshed open. I heard that. So what? You're going to shove me in your old lumber room and then you're going to conveniently forget about me, eh? The robots dragged him into the small lift. Doctor! Martha cried. Don't, Solin told her. At least he's still alive. What? Martha gasped. We've got other things to concentrate on, Doctor, said Tierman. We need to plan our departure. We don't need to hear any more from you, thank you. Some posturing know-it-all. Martha! The Doctor yelled as the doors started to close. I'll... And with that, the doors closed on him. The lift plummeted down the shaft. They could feel the vibration of it through the living room floor as it whizzed down thirty-nine levels. Martha hated to imagine the place they were taking him. She whirled round to face Tierman. You've got it so wrong about the doctor, and, and you're going to regret this. Tierman tutted at her. I shouldn't think so, my dear. And you should be glad that I'm not banishing you down there with him. You are his friend. You are not to be trusted either. If you lift a finger to help your friend, the dream home will know. It will tell me. And I'll have you sent away too. Deep. 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 Under dream home. And then Tierman stormed off back to bed. With an anguished glance at Martha, Amanda scurried after him. Martha was left looking at Solin, who seemed quite shaken himself. He's cracking up, Solin said hollowly. It's the pressure. He's really losing it. But I know my father is wrong about your doctor. Martha nodded. I need to get back to bed, she said. Martha woke to glaring sunlight, surprised that she had slept at all. She hurried out of her room and swatted away the robots that crowded her, keen to do her bidding. Breakfast, miss? Coffee? Martha found that the Tierman family had been up for a while, and they had swung straight into action. At last the reality of the situation seemed to have hit them, and they, along with their staff, were a blur of activity. They all ignored Martha, except for Solin, of course, who stopped to have a cup of coffee with her. They sat in the brilliant sunlight of the conservatory beyond the kitchen area. From here they could see the lawns spreading eastwards and the tennis courts and pool. The bristling frozen trees beyond the foreshield could also be seen. Solin kept glancing at the view outside. Look, the shields are flickering in and out of existence. Martha squinted into the sun. I think I see... Father says we haven't time to mend it all properly. Solin sounded almost shocked. We just have to hope nothing too bad gets in before it's time for us to go. Martha raised an eyebrow. Well, we went stomping through the woods yesterday. Nothing too bad happened to us, did it? Uh, apart from the saber-tooth. Solim frowned and flicked his dark hair away from his face. The animals out there know we have food, shelter, warmth here. They've looked at us jealously for years. Now they can get in. When they realise the shields are as good as gone... Martha stared at the deep, wintry green of the forest again. Perhaps Solin had a point. Take me to the doctor, she said. I can't, Martha. I would help you if I could, but... He even stared at the floor ominously, as if imagining what lay beneath their feet. What's down there? Why has your father put him there? There's no danger. Just storage space. 
Old stuff. Stuff that doesn't work anymore. That's what gets shoved down there. And when you leave, will you leave the doctor there? Of course not. The doctor was only going for the TARDIS, you know. We need it so that we can get away too. Is that fair, Solin? We came to help you all in good faith, and your father ends up putting us in danger? Solin sat down heavily on one of the sofas. I don't know what to do. Martha looked at him. She could see she was going to have to take charge. She had to get him to help her free the doctor, and to do that she would have to make him realise what danger they were in and how only the doctor would be able to help them. Do you have something, I don't know, radar or something, that will let us see how close the craw is? She asked him. Here, Solin said. He turned to a control panel on the coffee table beside him and tapped a few buttons. Several sliding panels in the large wall in front of them slid upwards. There are screens in every room, Solin said. We have access to everything we need through them. He pressed some more buttons, and the huge monitor screen shimmered into life. A series of views flashed up, one after another, views of the dream home in the morning light. Show me the whole valley, Martha said. Can you tune it in so we see higher up and further out? As more views flashed across the screen, Martha gained an impression of just how huge this world was. The valley where the dream home lay was the size of one of Earth's great continents. But that wasn't very reassuring. The craw was still on its way. It would be here by the middle of the night. And here it was. Solin managed to get the surveillance equipment to see into the next valley. The shots were blurry and fogged, as if the cameras were straining themselves hard to see this far. Martha found herself stepping back involuntarily at what came up on the screen. Behind her, Solin gasped in horror and disgust. It was the size of a vast spacecraft, and it was hovering low over the valley. It was a pale, putrid, grey-green colour, and its mouth was huge enough to swallow a town centre in one go. It had no other features, and the mouth had no teeth. It was just a great absence of features, and that made it all the more terrifying. Martha and Solin watched it feed. The ground beneath the craw was churning and quaking. The very matter of the place, animal, vegetable, mineral, was being sucked into one long, spiralling strand that looked, from this distance, rather like a tornado, and it was being fed straight into the hungry mouth of the craw. The screen itself was vibrating with a very dense, grumbling sound. Martha felt her throat constrict as the noise intensified. She realised they were hearing the scream of the world itself as it was attacked by the craw. It's just sucking everything up, Solin cried. He touched the delicate dials again. The picture shivered with pixelated mess and then steadied. It came into even greater focus. Now they could see a ring of wicked jewel-like eyes around the crown of the being's head. Martha had seen a picture of the craw from space as it hovered above one of the land masses of Tierman's world, a huge pallid tapeworm. Now she really understood the danger they were in. To a creature like this they were nothing. They weren't people. They were just matter same as the plant life and rocks out there. They were here to be pulped and fed indiscriminately into that obscene, palpating mouth. The noises were getting ever louder. Solin shut off the sound, but still it rang horribly in their ears. We need to get moving, Martha said very quietly. There was no way of knowing the time of day down here on level minus 39. There was no natural light, of course, this far down, nor were there any clocks. The place existed in a permanent half-lit limbo. Luckily, the doctor had an excellent sense of time. He knew he had been down here for just over six hours, 
Six fruitless hours had elapsed since those servo furnishings had roughly manhandled him into the elevator and then out again at the very bottom of the dream home. The morning saw him bruised and rueful and seething with frustration. There wasn't much down here, just a few mostly empty rooms, dusty and disused, a few hunks of rusty machinery and leftover bits of robots. The doctor had to hand it to Tierman. He really was a whiz with all that stuff. He had built robots out of seemingly everything. Old lampstands and drinks cabinets, everything. He could bestow intelligence on any kind of inanimate object, it seemed. Tierman was like some kind of Frankenstein, but using furniture and household objects rather than human body parts. Exploring the rooms of this desolate level, the doctor found that he soon returned to the doors of the elevator. He gave the controls another go with his sonic screwdriver, but with no result. Hmm. Something different about the doorway this time, though. He blinked. That wasn't there before, was it? He was sure it hadn't been. There was a bulky vending machine standing next to the lift door. It certainly hadn't been there last time he had wandered through this way. It was one of those machines with the glass front, showing the rows of cans of pop and bags of crisps for sale. The doctor stared at it and realised he was quite peckish. He fished around in his overcoat pockets, finding coins which, if not the correct currency, were about the right size. He had just forced one of the coins in when the whole machine shook and gave a sort of cough. Oh, hello, said a velvety female voice, emanating from deep within the vending machine. Good morning. I think you'll find that coin is the wrong sort. Ah, said the doctor. Of course, the machine talks. All the machines talk, but why would this one be any different? Rather shamefacedly, he pocketed his inappropriate coinage. Um, I don't have the right money, but I'm starving hungry. Any chance of some crisps? My name is Barbara, said the machine in its smoothly seductive voice. How may I help you? Crisps! the doctor shouted into the metal grill next to the coin slot. I could eat my own trainers here. You'll just have to owe me, Barbara sighed, and all her insides lit up suddenly. There was a clunking and a thunking from within, and suddenly a can of pop and three packets of crisps shot out into the tray near the doctor's feet. That's great, he grinned, grabbing them up. Thanks, Barbara. I'm the doctor, by the way, and I'll see that you get paid. Oh, no matter, she shrugged her shoulders. And that was the first the doctor realised that she had arms hanging down either side of her squat bulk. So, you have been relegated to minus levels too, have you? Barbara said, looking the doctor up and down. I must say you don't look much like a servo furnishing. Has Tierman taken up fashioning androids? I'm not an android, the doctor shrugged. I'm a prisoner down here. Oh, Tierman wanted me out of the way. Oh, well, said Barbara. He's like that. I fell from favour a good while ago. I don't even know why. Years ago it was. I've been here ever since, shuffling about on minus thirty-nine, hoping that someday someone like you would turn up, someone who wants crisps and pop for breakfast. There was a lift in her tone, like the doctor had made her happier than she could ever remember being. Suddenly the doctor was imagining days stretching out ahead, with nothing to eat but stale crisps, except, he reminded himself, there weren't endless days stretching ahead, were there? There wasn't even a tomorrow morning waiting for them. Today was the day the world ended, remember? He gulped down his pop. We have to find a way back to the surface, Barbara, and we need to do it now. He belched. Sorry. We? cried Barbara. Me as well? Of course, the doctor said. We need to get... What about my friend? Barbara said. Your friend? He's down here as well. Been here for years. We need to get him out as well. 
The doctor was starting to regret starting this. Oh, um, okay then. Barbara began squeaking away on her casters. He's not far away. He'll be so delighted. We thought we were gone as we did. We thought we'd be left down here, hidden in the house, when you know what happened. She turned to the doctor. You know what you know what is, don't you? He nodded solemnly. The voracious craw. The doctor followed Barbara as she bustled arthritically down the corridor. How do you know about the voracious craw, hidden away down here? Ah, she said. Well, um, the house told me, didn't it? And the dream home isn't very happy, doctor, about any of Tierman's plans. I bet it's not, the doctor said, just as they rounded a corner and entered a rather dark and dusty room. Here's my friend, doctor. Here he is. Toaster. Toaster, wake up. The doctor moved to help Barbara wake her friend and fellow prisoner. It was a sunbed, lying there somewhat despondently in the shadows. The sunbed coughed and spluttered, making the ultraviolet tubes in his transparent body crackle and spark with brilliant blue light. He was in much worse condition than Barbara, the doctor thought. He looked like he had been worn into the ground and then cast down here once he had been deemed useless. Oh, I do hate you to see me like this in my decrepitude, Toaster sighed. I wish you could have seen me in my prime. He was magnificent, sighed Barbara huskily. She was standing back and observing as the doctor buzzed his sonic screwdriver into Toaster's various nooks and crannies. Can you fix him up with that device, Doctor? Can you help him? Only superficially, the doctor thought, as the sonic went about its busy work inside the sunbed. Only enough to get it on its feet again for a day or two. He switched off the screwdriver. I reckon I'm done. The sunbed flexed his four short legs as the doctor stepped back. Brilliant! I feel like a new man! Right, what's next? What do we do now? I'm bursting with energy! This is brilliant! You, uh, don't fancy a tan, do you, Doctor? The Doctor considered it for a second. No, thanks, you're all right. I think our first priority is getting off this level, don't you? Barbara moaned happily. Oh, yes! Oh, say you can do it, Doctor! Say you can get us out of here! I'm not sure yet, the Doctor said. But there's bound to be a way, isn't there? Even if that way isn't up! Toaster suddenly said. He gave a sparking flash of blue light. Uh, that was a flash of inspiration. What do you mean, Toaster? asked Barbara. We might have to go down in order to get up, Toaster said. I thought this was the lowest level, frowned the doctor. Level minus 39. There is a lower level, Toaster said, and that's where we might find help. Who from? asked Barbara. You don't mean from... From the Domovoy. Toaster said. She'll help us, surely. As Martha and Solin returned from watching the craw on the monitor screen, they heard a scream coming from the direction of the kitchen. Solin was the first to get there, and he couldn't take in what was happening at first. He was so unused to technology failing and going wrong. The lights were flickering, which cast the room into fits of gloom. His mother had backed herself up against the glass doors at the far end of the room, and she was sobbing uncontrollably. She couldn't tell the servo furnishings what to do. There were three of them, going about their business in the centre of the room. One was feeding pills to the kitchen sink, and the other two were taking pieces of china out of one of the cupboards and carefully smashing them on the tiled floor. Just to add to the noise and the confusion, it seemed that every single device in the room was working at full tilt. The taps thundered into the sink, the microwave pinged madly, and steam was churning out of the kettle. Stop this at once! Tierman roared, arriving behind Martha at the doorway. It was as if he thought that everything would respond to the sound of his voice. Martha hurried over to Solin, who was trying to calm his mother. It's just a malfunction, Mum, he was saying. 
Silence, howled Tierman. You will all be silent for your master. Amanda Tierman struggled to control her panic. Her breathing slowed and she looked wildly at Martha and her son. Everything is breaking down. Don't you see? We depend on these things working. We can't survive with malfunctions. We are going to die. Mum, Solin said, taking hold of her. It's nothing bad. Just a few malfunctioning. But just at that moment, Martha was staring out of the plate glass windows into the garden. There was a bulky shape heading towards them. Uh, Solin, Martha said. This looks pretty bad, actually. The creature tossed its huge ivory horn, its savage eyes fixed straight on Martha, Solin and Amanda standing in the tall window. Martha jerked back at the sight of that sheer animal greed. They're getting in, Solin whispered in a deathly voice. The doctor had been led to a secret exit hidden away on level minus 39. Matter-of-factly, Barbara extended her telescopic arms and popped open the door, revealing a dusty and disused staircase. Takes us down to level minus forty, she said cheerily. Home of the Domovoy, bless her. Who is this Domovoy? the doctor asked. Another servo furnishing? Someone who can help us fix the lift? Oh, no, 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 Toaster said, his bulbs lighting up the gloomy stairwell as he chuckled. You make her sound so humble and commonplace. Oh, but she isn't. She's a marvel, is the Domovoy. Let me explain, doctor wheezed Barbara, angling her bulk around a narrow landing. Several cans of pop inside of her had fallen free and they were rolling about and thunking against her sides. The Domovoy is a computer. She is the spirit and heart and intelligence of the dream home itself. She controls everything. She is amazing. I see, said the doctor. I get it. Does she control all of you lot as well? Barbara looked somehow uncomfortable. Not all the time, but she could if she wanted. All of our minds are linked, you know. But, like any decent goddess, she allows us to have free will. Isn't that lovely? Lovely, grinned the doctor. And will the Domovoy help us? She is Tierman's creation. Surely she will do his bidding. Barbara looked at him very darkly. Our minds are linked, doctor. I have an inkling of what the Domovoy is thinking, and she isn't best pleased. No? Barbara went on. She thinks Tierman is about to betray us all, all of the servo furnishings. She has overheard him. There is no room in the spacecraft that will take him and his family to safety. It's true, sighed Toaster. There's only enough room for the human beings. They won't even be taking the robots that are still of use to them, let alone us broken-down, cronky old useless ones. I thought as much, said the Doctor. And the Domovoy herself? Will she have to be left behind as well? Barbara nodded warily. Yes, the Domovoy is hardwired into the fabric of Dreamhome. She can never be moved. She is bound to die tonight, and that very thought is driving both her and her creator insane. Martha was the first to back away from the tall windows. The Tierman clan seemed frozen to the spot. Get back! Martha yelled at them. Solin, tell them we've got to move! My staff will deal with the intruder, Tierman cried. He whirled to face the motley collection of malfunctioning kitchen robots. They were programmed always to respond to his ringing tones, and now, even with everything going haywire, Tierman's voice could still command them. Kill the beast, he spat. Protect the family. The bear-like creature charged and flung itself at the kitchen windows. 
the great glass wall came crashing down and the beast's massive, coarsely-haired body surged into the kitchen. The bravest robot, one whose sole employment thus far in its life had been to scrape root vegetables clean, trundled forward to face the beast. One great paw lashed out and the robot was reduced to scrap. The other two hesitated, but they knew they had no choice. The tablet robot and the dishwasher went to meet their fate. Tierman backed away quickly. No, 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 no! He had to seal off this wing of the dream home. He had to bring the emergency shutters down. He had to regain control of this nightmare. It felt very much like entering some holy inner sanctum. As the doctor and his new friends arrived in the dimly lit recesses of level minus 40, he was aware of a very strange atmosphere. Toaster and Barbara had become very quiet, and they were heading towards their goal with a measured and respectful tread. A pair of double doors greeted them at the end of the final corridor. Barbara turned to the doctor and said in a muted voice, We are about to enter the heart of Dream Home. You must beware, doctor. Hardly any soft bodies are allowed to enter here. He blinked at her. Soft bodies? Toaster harumphed. Barbara means organic beings, of course. She's using servo-furnishing slang. I keep myself nice and trim, I'll have you know, the doctor protested. Soft body indeed. You would find out how soft your body is, Toaster warned, should the Domovoy decide to crush it. The doctor swallowed. Um, powerful, is she? Toaster flickered with blue light. She is the most powerful being on this world. She controls all. The doctor sighed. Well... I always believe in taking your problems straight to the very top. He threw open both doors and marched into a wide and gloomy room. The walls and floor were a glossy metallic green, and at the far end of the room there was what appeared to be a vast fireplace. Wonderful! the doctor cried, hurrying towards the blazing hearth. What a superb feature! His companions came clattering across the floor after him. The flames in the grate roared and burst forward. They were a strange, lambent green. ''Doctor,'' Barbara said nervously, ''this is, um, this is the Domovoy, the spirit, heart, and hearth of Dreamhome.'' Two black eyes appeared in the midst of the incandescent fire, and a great black mouth opened up. A huge and mournful voice rang through the murky air. ''What do you want, soft body? Where is Tierman? I want Tierman to come to me.'' Ah, said the doctor. I can see why you might want to see him. I'm sorry that I'm not him. I'm the doctor, by the way. Look, I need to get back to the surface. Tierman has trapped us down here. He's going to leave us here while he and his family escape in their ship. Now, our only hope, your only hope, is with me. You must get the elevator working again and send me up there. What can you do? The flames crackled. I have a ship of my own, the doctor said. Toaster and Barbara perked up at this. Have you, doctor? How big? The doctor's eyes gleamed. Huge. Absolutely massive. Now, I can help. If you help me first. The Domovoy thundered. I do not trust soft bodies. They are treacherous. You provide them with everything they need, and then, when danger comes, what do they do? They prepare to abscond, to leave you to the tender mercies of the voracious craw. Do you know what happens to those left to the voracious craw? The doctor nodded. I do indeed. I've seen it happen, from a great distance away. And if you don't help me, Domovoy, we're all going to see it rather closer up. 
Barbara could contain herself no longer. Oh, please help him, great Domovoy. He is a good man. He will save us, save us all. The doctor shrugged worriedly. Well, I'll do my best. I swear that I will try to help you all. The weird being in the fireplace mulled this over and hissed and flashed as she thought. Very well, doctor. I will return you to the surface with these two servo furnishings to help you. Thank you, Domovoy. The doctor gave a little bow. The fire crackled with laughter. Don't thank me yet. You don't know what I'm planning to do next. As the doctor and his friends headed for the lift, all three of them were somewhat perplexed by the ringing laughter that filled their ears. It was as if the Domovoy had taken leave of her senses, and thought the doctor if that was true. It was very bad news indeed. I'm stuck in this place with someone crazy in charge, Martha thought. She watched Ernest Tierman pacing up and down the drawing room. He was mumbling and muttering to himself, and every so often dashing to check that the doors were locked or the windows sealed tight. I wouldn't trust him to get anyone to safety, she thought, not after that scene in the kitchen with the horrible bear thing. Tierman had only just got out of that by the skin of his teeth. He came swaggering after his family, bringing them in here and sealing the kitchen off, and he had been filled with a bilious bravado. Martha could see that he was as close to panic as the rest of them. She caught Solin's eye at this point, and he gave a tight, nervous smile. Father, he said, we really need to get to the ship. We can't hide ourselves away down here. Tierman's head whipped around. You're right. We have to get up on the roof. From deeper inside the house, they could suddenly hear the muffled bangs and crashes of the bears' continuing onslaught. The few servo furnishings locked inside the drawing room with them were very quiet and still. Walter, the drinks cabinet, seemed to be guarding the bolted main door. There was a crackling and a buzzing as Solin started tuning the view screen on the wall. On it, they could see the bear lumbering into the main hallway, getting its breath back. Tierman nodded grimly. We need to command the staff to get rid of that beast while we get up to the roof. He cast a swift glance at his wife. I am afraid we will have to abandon everything here, my dear. All of our belongings. There is no time. What about her friend? Amanda nodded at Martha. Are we just going to leave him underground? Tierman's face twisted in frustration. Of course we are. We haven't got time to risk our own safety for the sake of a saboteur. And we have to leave all the servo furnishings too. Everything. He snarled at his wife. The loss of those things will hurt me far worse than the loss of the doctor. Behind Tim and Martha noticed Walter, the drinks cabinet, had given a small jerk of surprise as his master talked. The cabinet's eyes burned a fiery red as Tierman ranted. Now Solim was facing up to his father. What about Martha? He asked him steadily. Is there room in the ship for Martha? Martha felt like telling him, don't bother on my account. I wouldn't come with you lot anyway. But she waited and watched Tierman's face gurn and curl with anger. Of course she can come with us, he said at last, spitting out the words with utter insincerity. Do you think I would leave an innocent girl to perish here alone? Something caught Martha's eye. She thrust her finger at the giant view screen. Look, look at him. The screen was showing a wide view of the main entrance hall. The lift was working again. The doors whooshed back and the doctor came bounding out, brandishing his sonic screwdriver. Behind him were two lumbering pieces of machinery. Martha punched the air. See, Tierman? She laughed jubilantly. The doctor doesn't need your help. Neither of us do. Um, Martha? 
Solin said, nudging her attention back to the screen. Don't speak too soon. Turning back, she gulped. The doctor on the screen was coming face to face with the other major occupant of the entrance hall of the dream home. The bear-like creature was lowering its pearlescent horn in furious challenge, and it was preparing to charge directly at the doctor and his new friends. Hello, good morning, nice to see you there, gabbled the doctor. He stared bravely into the slavering jaws of the ursine monster in the hallway. It was looking back at him like the doctor was no more than a heap of animated ambulatory meat. Meat. That was it. Like everything out there in the frozen wilderness, the bear creature was starving. Barbara, can you work the food computer in the kitchen? Of course, she said. We're all connected. Brilliant. Tell it to get working. It needs to produce as much meat as it can. Defrost as much as possible from stores. Don't even have to cook it. But all the servo furnishings that belong in the kitchen are malfunctioning, Doctor. Just try. He ran towards the kitchen. The beast lurched and followed him. The food machine in the far wall was lit up and working busily. It was in overdrive. Its doors sprang open, and a quivering mass of red and pink flesh came slopping out onto the floor. It was emptying the stores and disgorging its plentiful wares at the feet of the snow beast. Barbara and Toaster came to watch the massive creature feed. It's completely forgotten us, Toaster gasped. The doctor hugged Barbara. His arms could barely go round her oblong girth. Now, life signs, where are the Tearmans and my friend Martha? Barbara consulted the dream home's flickering web of information, and she knew in a flash. Drawing room, sealed in behind emergency screens. The doctor was already leading the way. Tell them to let us in right now. They left without the creature even noticing. So intent was it on gnawing and sucking up the sticky juices. It took some moments to persuade Tierman to unlock the heavy door screens of the drawing room, but his family and Martha had watched the doctor dealing with the snow beast on the monitor screen. They knew it was quite safe to open the door long enough to let him in. The doctor sprang into the room and Martha hugged him. How are you doing? What's been going on? He asked her. Martha ticked things off on her fingers. The shields are failing, some of the technology inside the house is breaking down too. Oh, and as you know, monsters are getting in from outside anyway. Sounds like you've been having a pretty exciting time of it, the doctor grinned. Meanwhile, I made some new friends and I met the Domovoy. Tierman's head whipped around. No one sees her, only me. There was something besides anger in his voice, Martha realised. What was it now? Fear? I talked with her, the doctor told him breezily, and the point is, she's absolutely livid. And what are you? He pointed a finger right in Tierman's affronted face. Going to do about it. I am not going to do anything about it, Tierman said rather quietly. The Domovoy is a machine, a tool I invented, and so are the robots that keep the dream home running. But they have all reached the end of their usefulness. I understand that we have to leave this place, and I have plans afoot to get my family and myself away in time, but everything else will perish. Now, the Domovoy, brilliant and powerful as she is, must accept that. There is no room for her or any other surplus being upon our spacecraft. Father, Solin said abruptly, look at the screen. The large monitor on the drawing room wall had been showing the view outside of the room. They had grown accustomed to seeing the wreckage and mess of the hallway. But now the picture had changed. It showed a picture of liquid green flames lapping and crackling against the glass. Black eyes opened up inside the emerald flames. A savage black slit of a mouth widened into a grimace. No, 
Tierman moaned. I'm afraid so, said the doctor. I thought she might do this. What? Martha asked. Is that her, the Domovoy? That's her, all right, said the doctor softly. The spirit of the dream home itself. I heard what you said, Ernest Tierman, the Domovoy said in a deathly whisper. The voice sent Martha's blood cold. You will leave me here. You will leave the servo furnishings here. You will escape and live, and we will all perish. Very well. I should have known, you snivelling worm. Tierman flung himself forward before the creature on the screen. What else can I do? I must save my family. This is logical. The only logical thing. The face in the flames sneered at him. What do I care about logic? I defy logic. The doctor stepped forward and faced up to the Domovoy. What are you going to do? Will you let them go? The Domovoy glared and crackled, shimmered and simmered and considered. And then she announced, I will do what I have always done for the occupants of the dream home. I will continue to make you safe. They could hear, from all over the dream home, electronic switches and gears and levers humming with energy, as the Domovoy silently instructed them to do her bidding. I will keep you safe and sound. I will protect you from the voracious craw. What are you saying? thundered Tierman. I am going to lock you all inside the dream home. Forever! There was a stunned pause, and then all three of the Tierman family burst out in cries of protest. Martha whipped round to look at the doctor. Hmm, yes, he said. That was on the cards, wasn't it? They could hear the swift, ominous clangs coming from all over the house, metal shutters crashing down over windows. The light in the drawing room itself became murky all at once as the shutters dropped down with a noise like an axe on the executioner's block. Now the room was a baleful green from the flames on the screen. The Domovoy was laughing at them. You will stay here for all time, one big happy family. And if the dream home must die this very night, then we will all die. The gaping mouth quivered and shook with its horrible laughter. It's only logical, Tierman. It's only fair, isn't it? Like one big happy family, no? And we shall all go together. Then the Domovoy stopped laughing. I'll be watching you, she said in a very nasty voice. And the fiery screen went dark. Tierman screeched in fury. How dare she do this to me? I created her. She has no right. Behind him, his wife was sitting with her head in her hands. We're never going to get out of here. He has doomed all of us. Solin drew the doctor's attention away. What can we do? The doctor looked troubled for a moment, but he forced a smile onto his face. Well, there has to be a way, doesn't there? The dream home can't be completely sealed. Tierman snarled. I made it perfectly impregnable. This house could withstand almost anything. There is no getting in or out. The doctor's two new robot friends had shuffled closer to Martha by now, as if seeking protection. We'll think of something, won't we, doctor? She said hopefully. Tierman wasn't done with ranting yet. She will not succeed so easily. I, Ernest Tierman, will not submit. She is but a machine. They are all machines, and I refuse to allow them to decide our fate. I declare war on the dream home. Something had caught Martha's glance. Something in the half-light just beyond Tierman. Then she realised. It was the red eye lights of Walter the drinks robot. He was shuffling closer to Tierman. Doctor! she cried out in warning. The doctor stepped back smartly from Tierman, just as the drinks robot whirled into action.
Walter lifted up a bottle and threw it hard. He hefted another bottle, and another, and soon the place around Tierman was hissing with deadly missiles. Shards flew everywhere and Tierman cried out as he was hit again and again. A mirror exploded, and the impact threw Tierman sideways. The doctor darted forward, attempting to wrestle Walter away from his master. Martha hurried to Tierman and found him writhing dazedly and bleeding copiously. She set straight to work, using whatever came to hand to staunch his cuts. Doctor, allow me, cried Toaster. He interposed his awkward body between the doctor and Walter. A savage bolt of blue lightning went up with a colossal deadly crackle. Walter shrieked once, and all the glasses and bottles slid off his head and crashed onto the floor. Then he tipped over backwards and lay still. Oh, Toaster sighed. I think I've done myself a mischief. You destroyed him. Barbara cried, amazed. Well done, the doctor clapped Toaster on his angular shoulder. It's a terrible taboo, Barbara said. Robot, killing robot, we are strictly commanded not to. The doctor looked sharply at the vending machine. The Domovoy isn't going to take you over, is she? Barbara looked alarmed. Not yet. Oh my, what a terrible thought. She is bound to try to call us back, Toaster said. We are her creatures but we must face that challenge when we come to it. The doctor suddenly felt his arms seized by Martha. Can't you feel it? she shouted. All of a sudden he could. They all could. The whole room was listing. Fabulous ornaments were crashing to the floor. Paintings were sliding sideways. Barbara was squealing on her casters. She slammed on her brakes with a shriek of dismay. What's happening to the floor? Look, Amanda shrieked. The floor is coming away from the wall. It's opening up into a great big hole. And it was quite true. The marble floor was sliding away and they were being tipped like so much rubbish into the gaping blackness beyond. The doctor was clinging onto both Martha and the back of a sumptuous tapestried settee. The Domovoy sending us down, deeper underground. The doctor's words were the last that Martha heard or could pick out amongst all the tumbling shrieks and crashes as the whole lot of them plunged into the empty space beneath the floor. It was hard to tell in the silence that followed their crash landing just how many levels of the dream home they had fallen through. The drop had been brief, dark and startling. The strange thing was they had landed softly in a room filled with luxurious billowing fabrics and cushions. The doctor was the first to spring back onto his feet. Is anybody hurt? he asked urgently as the others untangled themselves and groaned. Nothing broken, Martha told him. Oh, oh. Barbara was sobbing. I'm not used to this. I'm not built for jumping around the place. Toaster was picking large splinters of broken glass from his innards. Tierman was up and stalking painfully about the large, dimly lit room. What she put us in here for? He snarled. Isn't it obvious? The doctor said. She's proven that she can push and prod us anywhere she wants. She's leaving us no doubt as to who is in control. Which level is this, father? Solin asked. Tierman looked blank. I don't know. It's so long since I've been down here. Think, 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 the doctor urged him. Martha was glancing about at the beautiful room. It was lovely, but she was desperate to be out of the place. Their last day in the dream home was passing by. She forced herself to think logically and clearly. What about... She snapped her fingers. I don't believe that you built a supercomputer without creating some kind of override option. What? 
everyone whipped around to face Martha. The doctor beamed delightedly. Brilliant! That's brilliant! Martha, go on! Tierman's a clever man. There's no way he'd put someone else completely in charge. He must have, I don't know, created some way that the Domovoy could be bypassed or switched off. Then all eyes were on Tierman. He nodded and looked shifty. Of course I did. You're right. There is, in fact, such a room, secret from even the Domovoy herself. She doesn't know anything about it. And it contains the necessary means of detaching her consciousness from the dream home. It was necessary for repairs. The doctor was just about pulling out his own hair with frustration. But why didn't you lead us to this override room straight away? Tierman was looking confused. I... I never thought she'd go this far. The doctor tutted at him. Where is it, Ernest? You have to take us to this room. They realised then that they were being watched. A screen on the far wall shimmered into life. They whirled to face it just in time to see familiar emerald flames crackling with annoyance. The Domovoy's spectral features appeared. There is no secret room. I would know about this if there was. He lies. Tierman replied very calmly. No, Domovoy. It exists, and I will utilise it. Just try, spat the flames. Remember. I am aware of your every footstep. I can follow you anywhere. The screen went dark. Look, shouted Solin. By the screen, a door. The doctor buzzed it with his sonic screwdriver, and it opened just enough to let them through. He led the way into a darkened corridor beyond. Level minus six, Martha pointed out a discreet sign. Not as bad as I thought, said the doctor. Hang on. Can you feel it? He asked the others. What? Amanda asked him wearily. She was just about fainting with shock and tiredness anyway. She staggered slightly. Why is it so hot down here? She gasped. And as she said it, the others all realised at once what the doctor was getting at. The temperature was shooting right up, hotter and hotter in the darkening corridor underground. It's the Domovoy, the doctor snapped. She's going to roast us alive. But I thought she wanted to keep us all here forever, Martha said. Why would she kill us? The doctor pulled a face. Maybe she just wants to incapacitate us. That's it. The Domovoy doesn't just want inhabitants. She wants dependents. She wants poorly vulnerable soft bodies she can fuss over forevermore. She wants us totally at her mercy. End of Disc 1 Disc 2 The plastic-covered floor beneath their feet was melting. As they started to feel that searing heat through the soles of their shoes, noxious fumes were lifting off the ground in smoky tendrils. The doctor commanded everyone to try to cover their mouths and noses and to try every door to find some form of exit from the boiling corridor. Then he rounded on Tierman. You know where we are. You must know this place inside out. Get us out of here, Tierman. Martha heard that dangerous edge in the doctor's voice. She watched Tierman's face twitch in response. Of course, 
the old man said. There will be a hatchway down to the next level. He dropped to his knees, wincing with pain. He felt along the floor with both hands and wrenched open the hatchway. The hot vapours writhing on the air were sucked into the cooler air below, and everyone took a deep breath. The motley group of captives of the dream home clambered through the hole in the floor. Now that they were all out of the choking heat, Tierman was hastening into action. The override controls are in a room on level minus twenty. Shh, hissed the doctor. Don't say it out loud. Just take us there. Tierman nodded stiffly. Emergency stairs. Unless you trust the lift. None of them wanted to trust the lift. The Domovoy's voice rang out in their corridor as they filed into the stairwell. Where are you going? What are you doing? Stay where I can see you. The doctor paused thoughtfully. Have you noticed how the voice is changing? Sounding more desperate? More insane? I noticed that, Solin said. It's not a very reassuring thought. Hmm, mused the doctor, and ushered them all into the stairwell. Come on. Level minus twenty. The override room was the room that housed the controls that Ernest Tierman had hoped he would never have to use. Why would he ever need to? The Domovoy loved him. She adored him. She was his willing slave, and she was his perfect wife. Even Tierman's human wife, Amanda, knew that. The Domovoy and the Dream Home were what Ernest loved and trusted most in the whole world. Nothing could come between them. Except... Now that everything had gone haywire, the world was turned upside down, and everything had changed so quickly, Tierman could hardly fathom it. Is this it? The doctor sounded very disappointed with the override room. Looks like a downstairs lav. It has to be an inconspicuous room, Tierman muttered. He was pressing a series of controls on the far wall. Otherwise the Domovoy would have wanted to know what it was. As it is, I don't think she ever suspected what these controls can do. He stabbed a few final buttons, and a small, very ordinary panel slid upwards to reveal a black switch. Is that it? Martha said. Tierman nodded brusquely. Push that, and we put the Domovoy out of action. How long for? the doctor asked. He couldn't quite see past the square bulk of Barbara's body. He wriggled slightly in order to see the controls, and in an attempt to get closer, and maybe slam down the button himself, but in the tiny room he was wedged solid. Not long, Tierman admitted. It won't kill her, or bring her to her senses. Ten minutes? Twenty? It will disorient her. It'll take a while for her to regain autonomy. But it should be long enough for us to get to the rooftop, and the ship, I hope. The doctor whistled through his teeth, and quirked his eyebrows thoughtfully. When you built that monstrous domovoy, you certainly pulled out all the stops, Ernest. You can't kill her, can you? Nothing can do that, Tierman said with a hint of pride. Except the voracious craw, Martha pointed out. And the Domovoy knows that. That's why she's gone bananas. Is that a medical diagnosis, Dr. Jones? said the doctor. Too right it is, Martha said. Go on, Professor Tierman. Push the button. Get us out of here. She, too, was in an awkward position in the room. Only Tierman could get his hands on the vital control, and it was torture waiting for the old man to act. They watched Tierman's hand dither over the control and then they were interrupted by a shriek from Barbara. It was as if the vending robot was in pain. Barbara, the doctor said, pressing closer to her. What is it? He tried to touch her to help her, but Barbara warned him back. He could only manage a single step backwards in the confined space. 
He was close enough to feel the tension and confusion bristling through Barbara's circuits. She was swaying on her sturdy legs and clutching her glowing eyes. It was obvious that something was terribly wrong. Professor Tierman, get away from the controls, Barbara intoned. She was inching and teetering towards Tierman, and suddenly her squat bulk seemed menacingly heavy. If she wanted, she could easily crush the life out of a soft body. Barbara, coaxed the doctor. What is it? She's... she's... reaching out to me, doctor, Barbara squawked in something closer to her own voice. The Domovoy, she's gained control of my... my mind. One of Barbara's mechanical arms shot out and jabbed viciously at Tierman. He gave a great cry and collapsed to the metal floor. Barbara roared in triumph and turned to destroy the control panels. You will not override our will. You must stay here. Barbara's voice was deepening in pitch. It was subsumed by the madness of the Domovoy herself. You will die with us inside the dream home. The doctor came to stand right in front of Barbara. He had dealt with this kind of situation before. Barbara, I know you're still in there, he said. I know that the Domovoy can't have taken complete control of your personality. He glanced around at the others. Tierman was scrabbling to stand up. If only the doctor could keep Barbara talking. Surely he could inch around slowly, slowly. He could distract her and get to the black override button. But Barbara was standing right in the way. She was powerful and rigid, with her hydraulic arms in the air ready to lash out at anyone who stepped out of line. The doctor knew she could rip his head off easy as blinking. Barbara, please listen to me. I'm the doctor, remember? I came to save you, you and Toaster. I went all the way down to the bottom of the dream home and I brought you out safely. But were you really turning against me, Barbara? Barbara's eyes were blazing with the sure manic frenzy of the Domovoy's control. But something in her responded to the doctor. They heard her electronic innards wheezing and clinking with dismay and a kind of inner torment. I can't resist it, doctor. She is telling me what to do. I must... Destroy the override controls. No, 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 Barbara, the doctor gabbled. You are your own woman. You can make your own choices. Ch -ch -ch choices, warbled the vending robot. Choices, grinned the doctor manically. You love choices, don't you, Barbara? Of course you do. You offer people choices all the time. Crisps or pop, milk or dark chocolate, diet or full fat. That's what you're all about, choices. Free will, she asked. Exactly, and you've got to resist the Domovoy. The doctor was moving closer to Barbara all the time, slowly but surely convinced that he was winning her over. Doctor, said Barbara, your ship, you, you said you have a ship, you said that you would help us, those of us whom Tierman intends to abandon. She was squeezing out her words with a great effort. Everything inside her was quivering with exertion. Yes, my ship! The doctor said encouragingly. The TARDIS, I'll take you to the TARDIS. As many of you robots as I can. That's what I'll do. We can do it, Barbara. We can save the day. But you have to trust me. Trust you, doctor, said Barbara hollowly. I don't blame you for not wanting to trust any soft body ever again, said the doctor winningly. But you must. You must do as I say. Switch off the Domovoy's control just for as long as it takes for us to rescue the others and get out of the dream home. Please, Barbara. Do it, Martha urged. Do it for the doctor. We'll take you away from here, away before the voracious cruel gets here. Barbara looked at them pleadingly. You can really rescue us. You can take us to the safety of the spaceport antelope slash nightlight. The doctor nodded slowly. I give you my solemn vow. Barbara's metal hands quivered in the air. 
I can do it. I can stop her. One hand slammed down on the black control button. Everyone held their breath. All around them, the air grew quieter and somehow less charged. The energy went out of the place. That was the only way Martha could put it to herself. She looked at the others quizzically. Has she done it? The doctor nodded tersely, swiftly examining the instrument panels. She shut down the Domovoy. Suspended her. The Domovoy's gone into shock. Tierman was similarly checking out the controls. This has never happened before. I can't be exact. But we haven't got long. A matter of minutes. And then the Domovoy will regain control of the dream home. But... And here his voice rose in triumph. For now, I am back in control. The dream home is mine to command. The doctor glared at him with bitter irony. We'd best get a move on, hadn't we? Tierman's eyes were glittering and crazy, Martha thought. But he jumped into action. Her heart was beating an excited tattoo. They had done it. They were getting out. Toaster was patting the exhausted Barbara on her square back. She was leaning heavily against the far wall. The Domovoy's frozen mind had receded, and now Barbara was her old self again. But she was quaking with terror. Well done, old thing! Toaster cried cheerily as the others started hurrying out. I was so proud of you. You were magnificent, my dear. But Barbara was still looking worried. But what happens when the Domovoy comes back to life? She whispered. What in the world is she going to do then? The spacecraft was sleek and gleaming. Perched there on the flat rooftop of the building, it seemed all too ready to leap into the air and away from this place. The doctor and his friends stepped cautiously out onto the rooftop. After their incarceration deep in the bowels of the building, the open air felt very strange indeed. Martha looked around and the size and brilliant white of the sky seemed far too wide and endless. Her legs wobbled slightly as she followed the doctor across the metal floor towards the shining ship. All around them lay the buildings and the grounds of the dream home. All of it was in chaos. Servo furnishings were dashing hither and thither across the grounds. They staggered and lurched without purpose between buildings. Above their heads, the tattered remnants of the foreshields crackled and sparked with faint energies. And beyond the perimeter of the dream home grounds lay the dense canopy of the frozen forestlands. From here, just one story up, Martha could see how the wilderness spread out for many hundreds of miles. To something like the voracious craw, they were a sitting target. Martha felt Barbara tugging at the sleeve of her jacket. Are you all right, Martha? You seem very disoriented. I am, Martha told her. But what about you, Barbara? You can't feel the Domovoy coming back to life yet, can you? Barbara shook so that all the cans rumbled inside her. Oh no, not yet. But it can't be long. We've had nearly thirteen minutes of peace from her. We can only expect another handful at most. The doctor heard this and gave them both a nod. Ernest, he said, you've got to get that crate of yours ready to go. Did you hear Barbara? Only a couple of minutes left. Tierman nodded and coughed harshly. I know, we have to be quick. He slipped a slender remote control device out of his inner pocket. I... it pains me to say this to you, Doctor, but... but thank you. The Doctor pulled a comic face. Thank me? I thought you couldn't stick the sight of me. Tierman smiled grimly. But I thank you, nevertheless. We would never have made it out of the dream home without you. 
He snapped the buttons on his remote control and suddenly the ship was lighting up brilliantly and a hatch was smoothly opening. My whole family will remember you and honour your name. As he started moving towards the waiting ship, his wife and son had to help him hobble his way there. Uh, doctor, Martha said pointedly, I'd watch out for him. Now the Tierman family were several metres away. The gap between them and the doctor and Martha was opening up. The doctor turned to beam at her. And why's that, Martha? He looked bemused. Do you think Professor Tierman might be about to run out on us? Toaster was alarmed. He jolted forward, with his innards making a horrible clanking noise. Doctor, look at the old chancer, the way he's scooting up the ramp. Barbara was shrill, clutching at the doctor. The old devil, he's abandoning us. But the doctor rocked on his heels and chuckled. Yeah, I thought he might. Did we really expect him to do anything else? Martha was appalled. But you can't just let him get away. Oh, I don't see why not, winked the doctor. Now there was a scuffle at the entrance of the sparkling escape craft. I don't think it's going to be such a smooth trip after all, the doctor said. He was right. Over near the spaceship, Solin had become furious at what he suddenly realised his father was doing. His mother was similarly riled up, and both were refusing to get aboard the ship. The doctor wandered casually towards the scene of this domestic struggle. Martha and the robots came after him. Martha could tell that Barbara was agitated. She was whispering to herself in her hollow, electronic voice. She's coming back. She's on her way back. Now the doctor stopped with a final few metres between himself and Ernest Tierman. He coughed mildly in order to gain their attention. I knew you'd do this, Ernie, me old mucker. I knew you'd sell us out in the end. Tierman snarled and shouted back. When it comes down to it, a man must look after his family. That's all that matters. And your servo furnishings? Were they not a part of your family after all this time? The doctor gestured to the damaged toaster and the gibbering Barbara. They made a pitiful sight. We've been through this, Tierman said. They were toys, devices, not blood relations, easily replaceable. Barbara was struggling with herself, with her conscience and her programming. She managed to burst out with, You are a very horrible old man. Tierman laughed at this. We're going now. There isn't long before the Domovoy seals this place up again. We'd best leave this world behind. Now he made a great show of looking ever so regretful. If only we had more room aboard our ship. If only we could take a greater mass. But I'm afraid we can't, Doctor. Solin stepped away from the ship. If you're not taking them, I'm not coming either. Solin, no, Amanda yelled, grasping hold of him. Ernest, you can't let him. I mean it, Solin said, extricating himself. I'm not going with you. I'd rather perish here than set off aboard that thing with you. Amanda was wretched with tears. Please, Solin, Ernest, please. Tierman sighed. He turned and punched his son in the face. Martha jumped. The doctor started to dart forward. But they were too late. They could only watch as Solin sagged unconscious to the ground and his father took hold of him. Tierman commanded his wife to drag their son aboard the ship. Sobbing, horrified, she obeyed. Tierman hit another switch on his remote, and the ship's engine started to purr. Very softly, but powerfully, the escape ship was powering up. You'll regret this, the doctor said, and even though his voice was soft, it carried across the windy rooftop. No second chances, Tierman, he added resolutely. Then the hatch clanged shut. The engine noise increased in pitch. Martha turned to the doctor. You have got a plan, haven't you? 
Uh, he said. TARDIS, mad dash, escape, nick of time, that kind of thing? She blinked at him, distinctly unimpressed. Right, is that it? It'll do, won't it? Doctor, Martha, Barbara called. She had to shout over the noise of the Tierman ship by now. The Tomavoy, she is back online. Her influence. Whoops, said the Doctor. Just at that moment, the sleek ship lifted smartly away from the rooftop. It hovered gently for a few moments. Doctor, Martha yelled, noticing that the flickering of the ruined force shields was intensifying. The Domovoy's attempting to mend the shields again, the Doctor gasped. They all watched the shields crazing over with liquid purple flames, and the ship was starting to lift and to strain against the sky. She's trying to bring them back down to Earth again, said the Doctor. Then he dived into action. Come on, we can't stay up here. We've got to get down there, back to ground level. When she realises where we are, still alive, she'll have our guts for garters. Come on, while she's distracted by Tierman's ship, run! The three members of the Tierman family were struggling hard to stay on their feet. The whole narrow interior of the jet-black ship was shrieking in the struggle. Conscious again but woozy, Solin held on to the padded chairs for grim life with his mother beside him. The ship bucked and lurched like a rodeo bull, and Solin had guessed why. The Domovoy wasn't going to let them go without a fight. Solin watched as his mother held out her hand to him. She grasped his fingers for a moment, and even in all the terrible noise and confusion, managed to give him a tender squeeze of affection. It was like she was saying goodbye, he suddenly thought. Mum, no! He yelled out, straining over the noise, trying to guess what his mother was up to. She was swaying on her legs as she stood up against the sloping floor. She lurched from chair to chair towards the bank of controls where Tierman was working furiously. Mum, what are you doing? Solin shouted again, but the whining cacophony of the ship had gone up a pitch, and he had to stop. All he could do was watch as his mother grasped hold of his father. She was trying to drag him away from the control console. Ernest Tierman snarled and turned savagely on his wife. What are you trying to do? he shouted. Leave me to... No, Ernest! Amanda howled in his face. We can't escape. It's too late now. Tierman's face darkened and his features twisted in contempt at her. This is the dumber voice speaking through you. You are letting her take you over. No, no! Amanda screeched. You are wrong, Ernest. You have been wrong about everything. And then, with an almost superhuman burst of strength, Amanda Tierman thrust herself forward. She burst out of her astonished husband's firm grip and fell sideways onto the controls. They flamed around her instantly on impact. She was a blackened, buckled silhouette, face first in the spitting circuitry. Tierman was flung against his pilot's seat. He knew in an instant that the damage to both his ship and his wife was irreparable. Mum! Solin cried, leaping forward. What had she done? She has murdered us all, Tierman said very quietly. The doctor and his friends had managed to make it down to the gardens. Martha felt a wave of giddy relief go through her. She was back on solid ground. Don't celebrate too soon, she told herself. There's still a force shield to get through, a wilderness of monsters waiting for us. Oh, and the voracious craw itself. Best not get too complacent, eh? She looked up. The sky was filled with horrible noise. The silver ship of the Tierman clan was straining and buckling. Ah! said the doctor, looking up also. That wasn't meant to happen. His face was riven with anxiety. What's happening to them? Why aren't they getting away? The Domovoy is winning, Toaster said gloomily. She's pulling them back down. The doctor leapt into life. 
We've got to get beyond the grounds. All of this is going to go up in a flash in about three seconds flat. Come on! And after that, the noise was such that they couldn't hear anything else. He was screaming at them. His friends picked up their feet and fled for their lives. And the Tierman ship came plunging back onto the grounds of the family's dream home. They didn't get very far, only about 50 metres into the frozen woods. They managed, however, to put a solid barrier of trees between themselves and the edge of the Tierman estate. They crouched there in the undergrowth and were blown off their feet when the explosion came. When they could look up again and inspect the damage from a distance, the formerly luxurious homestead was a nightmarish place. Thick black smoke was rolling through the pearl-grey skies, shards of force shield were burning and crashing to the ground, and in the place that had once been the tennis courts and the swimming pool was the worst damage of all. Coming back down with such force, the small ship had punched a blackened, evil-looking crater into the earth. It took several minutes for the noise and reverberations to die down. The doctor was on his feet. Martha caught his arm. Wait! You've got to be careful. Barbara was horrified that they were intending to dash back to the ship. Keep away from it. It might blow up. Martha said, We need to see if anyone survived that. Slim chance, I reckon, Toaster said stiffly. We still have to try, Martha insisted. They pelted back into the Tierman grounds. The robots were soon left behind, struggling along, but the Doctor and Martha sprinted towards the scene of the crash. Look, Martha pointed. The ship's hatchway was opening. They've survived the fall, the doctor cried. He set off at once across the smouldering turf and ploughed earth. Martha followed, wincing at the heat. Soon they were near enough to see through the hazy heat ripples. It was Solin who came staggering down the buckled ramp. Martha dashed up to help him. Solin, she asked. Y your mum and dad, where are they? Are they alive? The doctor already knew the answer to that. He nudged Martha. She looked and gasped. Tierman was stepping out of his ship. He was tall and proud, with his cloak streaming in tatters behind him. For all his stiff bearing, there was something broken about him. He was carrying in his arms the ruined body of his wife. Amanda was limp and crushed and obviously beyond anyone's help. Oh no, Solim whispered. He turned away as the doctor went running up to help Ernest Tierman with his burden. The old man snarled. Get your hands off her! Don't touch her! He continued to walk steadily away from the wreckage of his ship. Father! Solin gasped. Where are you taking Mother? Tierman paused. His face was streaked with black and green. There were cuts and burns all over his deathly pale flesh. He blinked, and it took a moment for him to recognise his only son. I am taking her home, Tierman said at last. Martha stared at Amanda's shattered form. Half of the woman's face was missing. It had cracked like that of a perfect china doll. Underneath there was blackness and silvery circuitry, fizzing green sparks. Very thick, very human blood was congealed around those awful wounds, but the dead body before them was more complicated than that. Amanda Tierman was a cyborg. As her husband hauled her off to her final resting place, one of her thin arms was still jerking spasmodically. She's a robot, Martha hissed. Not entirely, the doctor said, and she didn't start out that way. But Tierman is a genius, remember? He liked to tinker with things. He liked to improve on everything he possibly could. 
Nature wasn't good enough for old Tierman, so that's what he did with his wife. He made her better. Solin turned to them now. She brought us back down. The Domovoy got to her. Took her over just long enough. Now that monster has got them both. Father won't leave this place now. I can see that, said the doctor, but I have to try to help them. What? said Martha. After he was going to abandon us here, you're still going to help him? The doctor gave a hapless and lopsided smile. Of course, just one more try. You know what I'm like. Now, Martha, you're in charge of everyone here. Get them into the forest. You can't go back into the dream home, she said, staring at the scene of disaster behind them. Oh, I think I can, murmured the doctor, and then he was off, darting back to the smoke fumes and chaos. Martha turned quickly to Solin. Come with me. The doctor will do what he can for your parents. Solin nodded brusquely. He looked grim, exhausted, terrified. I think it's too late. Come on, Martha urged him and grabbed his hand. She led him and the robots at a run towards what she fiercely hoped would be safety. Ernest Tierman wandered seemingly aimlessly with his wife's body twitching and smouldering in his arms. She was gone. He knew that. There was nothing he could do to restore her to even a semblance of life. And besides, it was too late for all of them. He could see that now. Every view screen still functioning was showing the same image. The surveillance cameras were working, and they were feeding back live pictures from the very edges of the Dream Home's sensor range. Tierman set down his wife on a chaise longue and turned to watch the screen with a dead, passionless expression. The voracious craw had crept into their valley. Below the craw, all the vitality and colour was being leached out of the vegetation. Animal and vegetable matter was being pulped and sucked and churned and yanked away from the ground. Then it was being drawn up into the sky in long, sticky strands like throbbing, living pasta. It was swizzled and twisted into the waiting, slavering mouth of the behemoth. Tierman, came the doctor's voice. You have got to come with us. It's your only chance. My wife, Tierman said. Everything. I can't. I can't take it all with me, can I? The doctor shook his head sadly. No, you can't. But you can save yourself. And your son. You can make the best of things, Ernest. You can carry on living. Living? said the old man caustically. Can I really? And how would you know, doctor? You don't know what it's like. You can't imagine what I'm suffering. I'm watching everything that is mine slowly being snuffed out. The doctor hardened his voice. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, man. Think about what matters. Tierman moaned. Nothing matters now. Suddenly he glanced around and said, Where are the robots? Have they abandoned us? The doctor sighed heavily. Come with me. I'll help you. I'll take you away from here. Tierman fixed him with a blazing stare. Leave me, doctor. Just go. The doctor started backing away. He couldn't force the old man to accept his help. Servo furnishings! Slaves! Where are you? Tierman growled. He started to shout, Your master needs you! The doctor turned to leave. Tierman was crazed. There was nothing more that could be done for him. He hurried out without another backward glance. The others would be in the forest now, and they really did need his help.
As the doctor left the dream home, Tierman was shrieking and wailing and gnashing his teeth. My slaves, my toys, my children, where are you? Will you really forsake me now? The doctor was too far away to hear by the time the Dommer voice spoke up once more. Typical Tierman, came her hollow, embittered voice echoing through the ruined home. You don't see the irony, do you? What irony, said Tierman wearily. You were all too prepared to leave your robots behind, and now that you're stuck here, you rail against their not being here to serve you. Tierman narrowed his eyes. He looked like a hunted, desperate creature, one caught snarling in the corner of its den. I have nothing to say to you. You have destroyed my wife. You intended to kill me and my son. The image on the large screen flickered, and the voracious craw was replaced by something hardly better, the lapping, frenzied green flames of the Domovoy. Do you wish I had succeeded? Do you wish I had killed you? Tierman stared back at that blazing visage with utter hatred. Yes, I do. And your son? I don't know where he is. Don't you think you had better find out? Tierman almost broke down then, but he rallied and straightened up. None of it matters. Quite, said the Domovoy, and you and I will face our destruction as we are meant to, together. Tierman felt himself physically rebelling at these words. Never! I will fight you to the end! The flames crackled. Very well then, my master. Let us fight to the death! Tierman heard a thump behind him. He jumped and swung his body round. He bulked then, frozen to the spot, when he saw what, or rather who, it was that the Domovoy was sending to fight him. No! moaned Tierman appalled. His dead wife was sitting upright on the bloody chaise long. She was like a puppet with half its strings snapped. She was animated by the sheer hatred of the Domovoy. The fleshy part of her form hung limply, but that which was robotic was alert, deadly, and crackling with malign energy. Ernest, Amanda said in a curiously flat voice. Come to me, Ernest, my love. No! Tierman howled at the Domovoy. The supercomputer's laughter rang shrilly in his ears. Amanda was standing now. She was lurching horribly towards her husband. And he just knew that he would have to do battle with her. It was that, or give in to the Domovoy. And that was something that Ernest Tierman was still not ready to do. When they set off into the woods, dusk was coming down. The doctor tried to jolly them along in his usual way, but he knew it was hard for Solin, Barbara and Toaster, especially for the elderly robots who had never been very far from home in all their lives. The two of them were wheezing and clanking through the trees, staring round at their new environment in frank, appalled amazement. Um, Doctor, said Toaster suddenly, in a quavering voice, can you hear that? The doctor frowned. They all listened. There was a chattering noise somewhere nearby. Getting closer, perhaps. A whirring, beating noise. Like wings. Millions of wings. Millions of beating, leathery wings. Bats, the doctor said and looked up into the trees. Oh, dear. Toaster said, They appear to be giant albino bats, doctor. Very nasty from all accounts. Killer bats, Martha said. I'm afraid so, the doctor sighed. Wait! Solin jerked into life. He turned to Toaster. 
Did you say albino bats? I did, young master, Toaster said. They've come up from the lost caverns beneath the forest. They were starting to dive bomb now. One or two of the hungriest came scything down into the glade. Their wings ripped through the air, wishing like razors. Solin told Toaster, Then it's up to you to get rid of them. Me, sir? Toaster said, appalled. The doctor jolted and grinned. He's right. Of course he's right. How do you mean, doctor? Barbara asked, just as perplexed as the sunbed was. Toaster, the doctor said. Do what you're best at. Do what you were made to do. Tan their hides. Flash. This was Toaster's star moment. He briskly took charge and told his fellow travellers to hide themselves behind the bulk of a fallen log. Then he bravely took up position in the centre of the clearing. Shoo! Shoo! Get away! Avant and avast! Demons from the deeps! Toaster shouted gallantly. The winged and fanged creatures were getting closer and closer to him. Their skinny claws were reaching out as they swept over his head, and they were pulling at him, clawing him. With a sudden sickening feeling, Toaster realised that they had enough strength between them to tear him into pieces. But then he remembered what he had to do. The bats came swirling around him in a tornado of white bodies with vicious wings. Toaster stared up into their burning eyes of pink and scarlet, and... Flash! Flash! He set off his light tubes at the highest possible setting. The whole forest clearing turned to searing white for a second or two. The bats were wailing and shrieking and reeling, blinded through the air. Some of the ones closest to the gallant sunbed had even had their delicate wings scorched. I warned you, Toaster declaimed. I'll do it again. The bats gibbered and skittered. They tried to get away. Only a few foolhardy creatures snarled and tried once more to attack him. Claws outstretched, wings unfurled, fangs gleaming. Toaster did it again. Flash! And once more the forest went white and black for an instant. Bat screams filled the air. This time it really had been too much for them. There was a thump, 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 as several specimens fell unconscious to the frosty ground. Others, luckier perhaps, managed to sweep themselves up out of the clearing. They're giving up! They're going! Barbara screeched from her hiding place. You did it! Martha shouted, jumping up. Unbelievable! Solin said, shaking his head as he dashed after the doctor, Martha and Barbara, who were racing across the glade to congratulate Toaster. The doctor had his arms right around the sunbed robot. You were magnificent! Mind his broken glass, Doctor, Barbara advised as the toaster's innards shook and clanked. Toaster graciously accepted all their compliments. I put everything I had into it, he told them. Every last iota of my energy. He looked a bit tired as a result. Never mind, the doctor said. It was worth it, Toaster. You were a real hero. The sunbed tried to brush this off, but they could all tell that he was really delighted. Who knew? He sighed. All those years I spent just giving people suntans, and I could have been an hero, a great warrior. Maybe you still can, Barbara said. Our lives are going to start anew, aren't they? When the Doctor takes us up to Spaceport Antelope slash Nightlight. Now the Doctor was looking serious. The dark and frosty air went still with foreboding. We'd better keep moving, he said. Time's moving on. The rest of the journey was less frightening than their encounter with the albino bats, but Martha still sighed with pleasure and relief when they reached the TARDIS. There it stood, reassuring and solid and bright blue. Its windows were glowing a minty blue-white, very welcoming, and Martha knew that inside the TARDIS would be warm and comforting and utterly safe. 
That, Toaster said, frowning crossly, isn't what I would call a decent-sized ship. That's hardly bigger than a linen closet. Aha, the Doctor said gleefully. Just you wait, Toaster. Just you wait. The robots and Solin shuffled through the doorway, which almost wasn't wide enough. Their concerned expressions melted away into slack-jawed astonishment and murmurs of awe. Proudly, the Doctor skipped past them up the clanking gangway to the six-sided console in the centre of the vast chamber. Welcome to the TARDIS, he said, and patted the controls happily. But this is impossible, Doctor, Barbara gasped. It's... I know, I had the same thing, Martha laughed. It's a lot to take in at first, but he means what he promised. He can get us all away from this planet before the voracious crawl comes down. We've made it. The Doctor flicked a few switches. What do you reckon? Should we just go, eh? The others looked at him. Go, said Martha. Just leave the planet, you mean? His hands hovered above the controls. We could, you know. We could just shoot off right now without a backward glance and leave the voracious crawl to all its spoils. But, Solin burst out, what about father? And... Barbara perked up. If we've time, I don't know, there might be other servo furnishings in the dream home. Perhaps ones who can think for themselves like we can, who aren't utterly under the control of the Domovoy. Can't we make a short trip, Doctor? Martha asked. Back to the dream home, before we leave? The Doctor pulled a face. Oh, I'd be ashamed just to let the dream home be sucked up like so much pizza topping, he sighed. Tierman too, I suppose. He might be crackers, but he's quite clever as well. The human race out here in this benighted part of the galaxy still needs a man like him. Doctor, Toaster said in a voice that was stronger and more vibrant than his usual one. Take us back to Dream Home. You must return us there. You must do everything you can to save the Domovoy. The Doctor frowned at him. The Domovoy? She's too big to move. She's too rooted into the ground. We can't... He was staring at the sunbed now. Oh, I see. I know you can save her, Doctor, Toaster said. I know you can do it with this dimensionally transcendental ship. You could materialise around her. You could save her that way. Martha said, Why is Toaster talking like that? He's not being like himself. The Doctor hissed out of the corner of his mouth. Look at his eyes. They were a scorching, lethal red. He's being possessed, Barbara shrieked. The Domovoy has taken him over. You can do it, Doctor. You can bring the Domovoy safely aboard your TARDIS. The Doctor laughed mockingly. What? And have that crazy machine take over my ship? It's like a monster, the Domovoy. It's as voracious as the craw itself. My poor TARDIS would be taken over just like you, Toaster. Nevertheless, said the sunbed slyly, you will do as I say. Oh, yeah, jeered the Doctor. And then the sunbed put on a surprising turn of speed. His metal arms lashed out and seized hold of Solin. The boy was too amazed to put up a fight, and it was all over so quickly none of the others had time to react. Solin was bent double in the sunbed's arms, and Toaster had a sliver of his own cracked glass against the boy's tender throat. I will kill him, Doctor, Toaster said. You know very well that the Domovoy will do anything she can to ensure that she survives. The Doctor looked very worried. I do, you're right. Then take us back to Dream Home, said Toaster, his eyes lividly triumphant, and save the Domovoy. 
In the few hours since the doctor and the others had absconded from the dream home, a great deal had happened to the once proud and luxurious dwelling. Mostly damage. Ernest Tierman had been doing battle with the place that had been his home and the entity that had been its presiding spirit. First came the professor's dead wife, animated once more and coming after him like a zombie. He had no option but to kill her. This time he had to make sure that his wife stayed dead. He lured her into the ruined kitchen area and managed, after a hideous struggle, to feed her into the waste disposal. Tierman couldn't afford to feel compassion, regret or pity now. He was fighting for his life. The house was a death trap. He had created an endless cornucopia of death-dealing devices. The underground swimming pool came gushing out of one doorway he flung open, and he was almost swept away and drowned in its warm embrace. Next, the parquet floor rolled up and tripped him up, almost flattening him. The curtains swept into action and tried to smother him. The antique furniture of the grand entranceway came marching after him and almost bludgeoned him to death. Tierman was wily. He was clever and strong. He laid explosives. He set them off. He blew up great portions of the home he had created. And with every room and every wall blown down, he could hear the Domovoy shrieking with pain. The remaining servo furnishings came at him murderously through the smoke and flames. Their eyes were bright red and they slashed and grabbed at him. But he eluded them. He blew them to bits, one after another. Nothing was safe. Lamps, chairs, refrigerators, all were deadly in this pitched battle. Electric cables came sneaking out of the walls and lashed out at him, spitting venomous sparks. The house was collapsing around him like a pack of cards, and the Domovoy's face was still flickering away on every screen, still baleful with green hatred, still shrieking at him, We will die together, Ernest! This is the end! Ernest drew closer to one of those screens, a single wall standing by itself in the smoky confusion. It was hard even to tell which room this had been. Bloody and battered, Ernest leaned close to the screen. Never! You can't destroy me! The screen shattered and blew apart, sending the old man spinning backwards across the burning rubble. He was cut and the blood flowed freely down his face. From deep below, forty stories below, the Domovoy's laughter was ringing like mad. The ground quaked and rocked with its maniacal shrieking. Die, Tierman! We don't need you anymore! Die! Tierman lifted up his head and found he could hear nothing but the supercomputer's voice. Blood was in his eyes, and he could hardly see anything either. The flames were lapping closer. His house was in ruins. His family was gone. What more was there to fight for? Perhaps this was the right way to go, overpowered by his greatest creation, and the two of them about to be swallowed up by the voracious craw, so that neither of them could do any more harm. Yes, thought Ernest Tierman, as he waited for the gleeful, malicious Domovoy to make its killing blow. Perhaps it was all for the best. Look! The doctor jabbed a furious finger at the scanner on the console. On it, there was the image of the silvery-purple form of the craw sweeping over the mountains. Just look at that! It's almost there! The voracious craw is nearly with us! He glared at Toaster the Sunbed, who was standing stiffly possessed and glaring back at the Time Lord. Then you must hurry, Doctor, Toaster intoned and materialise your ship around the Domovoy. I won't do that, the doctor said softly. Solim was struggling in Toaster's firm grasp. The robot said, I will burst open his jugular. The boy will bleed to death right here on the floor of your ship. Do as I say.
Soling gasped. Don't give in to him, Doctor. You mustn't bring the Domovoy aboard your ship. It will take over. It's wicked, Doctor. It mustn't be allowed to survive. Hmm, said the Doctor, and flipped a switch. The glowing column in the centre of the console began to smoothly rise and fall. The thunderous, wheezing noise of the TARDIS's engines filled everyone's ears. Toaster stiffened, and his red eyes narrowed in suspicion. Wait, what is happening? The Doctor's taken off, Martha said. We're in flight. Where are we going? Toaster demanded. Where are you taking us? The Doctor held his gaze. You'll see soon enough. Just when he thought that his time was up, Ernest heard a new noise echoing through the ruined shell of the dream home. He twisted round onto his side. Through the churning smoke and flames, he could see a large blue box warping into reality before his eyes. The doors shot open and out came the Doctor, Martha and Barbara. They were followed out of the box by Toaster, and the possessed robot still had Solon in its grasp. No tricks, Doctor, Toaster warned. Otherwise my hand might slip and Solin will be dead. Ernest Tierman shook his head dazedly to clear it. He could hardly understand what he was witnessing. The Doctor and the others had returned to the dream home. Solin was there too, but Solin was being threatened by a robot with glowing eyes. No, howled Tierman, clawing his way unsteadily back onto his feet. You will not harm my son. You have murdered my wife. You have ruined everything, but I will not let you. The others were all shocked by Tierman's sudden appearance. Father, Solin said in a gurgling kind of voice. Tierman moved towards them. Domovoy, he said, addressing Toaster. You must make this robot let go of my son. You will not harm him. The old man was standing right before them now. It's me you want. It's me your fight is with. The doctor tried to butt in. Look here, you lot, while this talk about fighting, eh? Where did that ever get anyone? Look at this place, it's just a smouldering wreck. There's nothing left to fight over, is there? Toaster gave an electronic snarl in the doctor's direction. Silence, doctor. I've heard enough of your prattling. Take the boy. With that, Toaster thrust his weakened hostage aside into the doctor's arms. The doctor took hold of Solin and bundled him away to safety. Martha, check he's all right, he said, and then turned back to Tierman and Toaster. Something very strange was happening to the sunbed robot. He was flickering with pale emerald flame all over his ungainly body. What's happening to Toaster? Barbara cried. Oh, what's the Domovoy done to him? The doctor's face was grim. She's completely subsumed him. There's very little of Toaster left. Now the burning robot was cackling in the Domovoy's own insane voice. The flames grew stronger and more verdant. The dark hollows of the Domovoy's vicious features were becoming apparent. But still, Tierman faced bravely up to his foe. So, you are freed from the cellar, from level minus forty. Now, at the very last, the Domovoy has come out to play. She cackled hugely with glee. To the death, Tierman, he nodded solemnly. To the death, Domovoy. Again the doctor stepped forward. He tried to interpose himself between the combatants. What good is this to him? What's the point in fighting, you idiots? Martha was holding the doctor's arm. Leave him to it. Come on. We have to get away. He turned to look at her. His mouth fell open. Martha thought the doctor was about to say something, but then she realised he was looking past her. 
Martha turned, Barb returned, and so did Solin. Even Tierman and the creature composed of liquid flame turned to see what the doctor was looking at. The wilderness was vanishing. The forest and everything in it was slowly being ripped out of the ground by its roots. Everything in the far distance, in the foothills of the mountains at the edge of the valley, was shimmering and shaking and coming away from the earth. It was being mulched and pulped and drawn into long strands, and it was being sucked into the sky and into the mouth of the biggest monster any of them had ever seen. It's being eaten, the doctor said hollowly. Everything. It's all being eaten by the voracious craw. And there the craw was, edging into the valley at last. Here it came to take them all. While the others were staring in shock at the approaching craw, the robot who had been Toaster seized his chance. Green fire flickered about his body as he rounded on his adversary. The last vestiges of Toaster's mind felt the terrible voice of the Domovoy ringing through him. You will die, Tierman! And with that, the robot launched itself at its startled creator. I am the Domovoy, she shrieked, but you made me your servant! Tierman was locked in the robot's arms. You were all my servants, my creations, my playthings. You were mine to control as I wished. Then there came a huge flash of ultraviolet light. The others whipped around to see. Each of them caught a glimpse of Tierman and Toaster standing there, locked in each other's arms, skeletal and silhouetted in the incandescence. The last of Toaster's tubes had ignited and gone off in the most brilliant burst of light he had ever mustered. It was too much for Tierman. Solin started forward to help his father, but the doctor held his arm. It's too late. Ernest Tierman's charred and smouldering form fell away from his opponents and clattered to the ground. Thunk. It lay there untwitching, unbreathing, utterly dead and smoking. Nobody could say anything. They were transfixed instead by the spectacle of Toaster, blinded, staggering about and still wreathed in green flames. The last murderous act that the Domovoy had pushed him to had been one step too far. He was swaying, he was buckling, the green fire was dying away. Toaster! cried Barbara to the ancient robot. For a moment, the old sunbed was himself again. Barbara! Doctor! Martha, I am sorry. I have killed Tierman. She took me over. The Domovoy. And then the robot collapsed, stone dead in the wreckage. The green flame shrank and disappeared. Barbara hastened to his side, gasping and wheezing with grief. Martha turned to the doctor. Is that the end of the Domovoy too? He looked grim. I don't know. She was weakening, certainly. She's losing her influence over things here. There's hardly anything left for her to control. Solin, who had been solemnly paying tribute over his father's body, turned back to look at the voracious craw. Its dense mass seemed even closer. Doctor, he said quietly. The doctor was on his feet. He looked straight into the distance at the terrible view Solin had been taking in. And the doctor grinned. Do you know what? We're going to stop it. Martha stood up. Why? What's left to save? Plenty.
said the doctor. There's plenty here besides the Tierman clan. Indigenous stuff, lovely plants and beasties. Who never did anyone any harm, cosmically speaking? Let's save them all. And besides, I wouldn't like to bet on our chances of getting away safely, with the voracious cross sucking everything up, so we have to stop it. How are we going to do that? Martha asked. Aha! grinned the doctor. Luckily, I've been working on a secret plan. Barbara, any pop left? Confused, she said. Of course, doctor. Seconds later, they were all forcing down carbonated drinks at the doctor's request. How's this a plan? said Martha, tipping pop down her throat. You'll see, he grinned, pacing about and jumping up and down on the spot. I'm trying to fizz myself up. Come on, you lot, jump. Suddenly he stopped and clicked his fingers. Sound system? he asked. The Dreamo must have had a very advanced sound system, I'd have thought. Hidden speakers and microphones and stuff. That's how the Domovoy was communicating with you all and you with it. Can you show me? Solin looked around at the burning, shattered walls of the dream home. Of course, if there's anything left. The doctor nodded. Off you go, quickly. He glanced at his watch and then at the horizon and made a few rapid calculations in his head. If I'm right, we've got about twenty minutes until this whole place vanishes up into the rapacious maw of the voracious craw. Solin gave a yell from across the ruins. The sound system is working. What do you want me to do? Aha! cried the doctor energetically, and went skipping over the wreckage, all skinny, excitable limbs and whirling coattails. Martha joined him and found that he had fixed up a microphone. Now, Barbara, you work the controls on this, he said. You can't do what the rest of us are going to do because, well, you don't have a belly or an esophagus or anything. What on earth is going on? Barbara asked, taking hold of the microphone. The doctor winked at them all. Hope you're all feeling windy. Solin blinked at him. What? The doctor said, on Barbara's count of three, we're all going to burp as loudly and as much as we possibly can. Burp? Martha nearly laughed. This was typical of him. I thought you were going to make some solemn speech and broadcast it over the speakers. Something about protecting this planet and warning the craw, saying you were a time lord and so it better watch out and all of that. No, no, no. The doctor shook his head firmly. Do you think that thing, he pointed wildly, is going to take any notice of speech making and diplomacy? Nope. Belching. That's what we have to do. It's the only way. But why, Doctor? Solin asked, utterly mystified. Barbara, who had learned a thing or two about trusting the Doctor's ideas, simply told them, Just do it. And one, and two, and three. The three of them belched as much and as loudly as they could into the microphone. The Doctor was surprisingly, disgustingly eloquent with his burps. They recorded a minute's worth, and then the doctor instructed Barbara, Right, loop it, amplify it, distort it, echo it, and get the remains of this house to broadcast it loud as it can in the direction of the voracious craw. Barbara set busily to work. Do you know my ears are ringing? The doctor told Martha. You've got a powerful set of lungs on you. Me? She gasped. Solin was looking mystified. What are we doing? I've watched both my parents die today. My home destroyed. And you are making us behave like children, doctor. Now the doctor looked serious. All in a good cause, Solin. You'll see. Barbara had been communing with the rest of the shattered house. Doctor, the Domovoy is completely dormant, almost dead. She isn't resisting at all as I take over the circuits, as I use the sound system. Just as well, the doctor said. We don't need her interference now. OK, Barbara, ready? The robot nodded. All set. The doctor turned to look up into the sky. The craw was almost directly above the forest in which the TARDIS had materialised in the first place. The treetops were rippling and their roots digging in for dear life. Do it, Barbara, the doctor commanded. Do it now. 
Barbara played the short loop tape they had made. The noise came blaring out of every speaker hidden away in the wreckage of the dream home. The noise was terrific. Martha felt as if her eardrums were going to explode. Every organ inside each of their bodies was vibrating fit to burst. The ground was quaking and shaking underneath them. All around them brooded the horrendous continuous noise of the biggest belch ever recorded. Martha was ducking down beside Solin, and she watched the doctor striding about, laughing madly, hands clamped to his ears. Then she looked up at the horrendous underbelly of the voracious craw. The effect of their recording on the creature was astonishing. Its mouth had clamped shut. The forest lay still beneath it. The vegetation that had started to lift away from the ground slumped back down into place. The craw was simply hovering ineffectually as the sound waves echoed through the valley. Martha hurried over to the doctor and tugged his coat sleeve. She tried to ask him what was happening and why the craw had stopped, but the noise was too fierce for them to say anything to each other. She could only watch with the doctor, Solin and Barbara, as the voracious craw gradually changed its mind and changed its direction. The voracious craw was going. It was turning away and growing smaller as it slipped into the upper atmosphere. It was leaving Tierman's world behind. Never before in the history of this monstrous race had one of the voracious craw left behind a meal unfinished. Once he was quite sure that the craw was going, the doctor turned to hug his companions. And when she was crushed to him and he was yelling right down her ear, then Martha could at last hear what he was saying. We did it! We sent it away! We saved the world, Martha! We saved the world again! They let Solin take one last look around the ruins of the only home he had ever known. The doctor and Martha were waiting for him by the TARDIS. So, the noise we were making, Martha said, it was just like the sound of an even bigger and even more voracious crawl? That's exactly how that creature heard it, the doctor nodded. And our voracious crawl backed off and went away because it thought that a bigger crawl had first dibs on the planet? Mm-hmm, the doctor said. They're a dreary bunch of witless bullies, I'm afraid, and they give in very easily when someone bigger and stronger comes along, like all bullies do. All we had to do was stand up to it. We scared the hell out of it, Martha laughed. That's another way of putting it, the doctor grinned. He unlocked the TARDIS door for her. Shall we tell the others it's time to go? She nodded towards Solin, who was still striding about thoughtfully in the blackened rubble. It'll be hard for him. He'll be okay. He's a resilient kid. And he'll fit right in on spaceport antelope slash nightlight. It's a real ragbag of displaced persons and interesting types. Got a fascinating place, really. I reckon Barbara will enjoy it there, too. She's had far too sheltered a life. She'll look after Solin. They watched Barbara ambling up to the TARDIS. She had a spring in her step. She looked as elated as a vending machine ever could. I'm ready, Doctor. Martha, she said. I've said my goodbyes to Toaster, to everyone else. And the Domovoy? the Doctor asked her. I think she's gone, Barbara said, frowning. I can't detect her anywhere in the remains of the dream home. I think she's gone deep, deep underground. The Doctor stared at Barbara and nodded solemnly. For a second, he allowed himself to wonder, what if she was lying? She had been connected to the Domovoy after all. What if, even unbeknownst to Barbara herself, the Domovoy had secreted some small part of her malign intelligence inside the circuits of the vending robot? 
And what if she managed to get herself away from Tierman's world? What if she managed to smuggle herself away inside Barbara and into the galaxy at large? The doctor waved the thought away. He was getting much too suspicious, always thinking and expecting the worst. No, the Domovoy was gone, and it was time for them to leave too. I think I'm ready, Doctor, to explore the universe, Barbara said brightly. The doctor was watching as Solin turned his back on his wrecked and burning world. There was nothing left for him here now. The boy was turning and walking towards the TARDIS, ready to be swept away and taken into a different time and place. The doctor smiled at Barbara. It's completely marvellous exploring the universe, he told her. Everyone should try it. Hey, Martha. Too right, she said, and led the way into the ship. Martha was secretly glad that they were dropping off Barbara and Solin at that spaceport. They were all very nice and everything, but she was happiest when it was just her and the Doctor, Smith and Jones, at home in the universe, and setting off together for new and fantastic adventures. Now she was returning to the valley. The mutterings and the whisperings in the wintry forest were telling her that all was safe. Death had been dismissed from their world at the very last moment. She watched her cubs scatter into the frozen undergrowth. They padded and scampered ahead of her. Now they were onto the scent of their home. They knew they were nearly there. She shared their excitement and their relief at the sense of home. She was exhausted, though, bone-weary, and the shock of this whole nightmare had shaken her very deeply. She knew she would never take her place in this world for granted any more, not now that she knew that something, some inexplicable thing, could come along out of the blue one day and simply force her to move, something bigger and more powerful forcing its will onto her familiar landscape. She would never take things for granted again, and she would warn her cubs to be careful too, because the world could change overnight, and here on Tierman's world, that's exactly what had happened. Here in the valley, in the densely packed snowy woods, there was a smell of destruction in the air, charred remains, devastation. The human beings were gone, those who had been here so many years, thinking this world was theirs. Now they were gone, hopefully forever. The mother realised this and felt a great wave of happiness wash through her. This place was hers again, theirs. The world had changed overnight, and she was glad. Doctor Who, Sick Building, by Paul Mars, was read by Will Thorpe and is published by BBC Audiobooks. Yeah.